This podcast is a part of a special series of episodes dedicated to my debut album, Temple Calling, an album for your altar. 13 songs, 13 muses, a thousand sacred stories to resonate with you and with me. My intention for this album is to break your heart open to the truth of who you are. And this podcast series is an epic celebration of the women who inspired this dream come true. And you're a part of that dream now too. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome and welcome back to the Genius Portal podcast for this really special series for Temple Calling. Um, We've been... Well, I've been having these epic conversations with these epic women and I'm loving it. It's making me fall in love with podcasting on this whole other level and also making me appreciate art on this whole other level and all these multifaceted bits and pieces of art that I feel like until you're on the inside of a creation like an album or a book or something like that. You don't realize the nuances and the intricacies and all the moving puzzle pieces. I certainly didn't anyway. I don't think I'm alone on that one. Um, Yeah, so it's been really beautiful to receive the magic and also to be able to create this invitation for others to be in on what it's like to actually build something like this or make, make something like this um so yeah thank you for listening and also I want to welcome a very special woman Alyssa to the microphone today to the stage I was gonna say stage it's a stage it counts um and we can say hi to those listening on YouTube um and if we ever put it on YouTube (laughs) (laughs) oh goodness um but yeah, Alyssa is magic, is like a ceremony on legs and has come into my life relatively recently. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, actually, there's a bunch of women from this creation that are like recently in my life. And Alyssa um, joined the Genius Witch Collective, mm-hmm. right? And we met kind of via Messenger, kind of via the Genius Witch Collective. And then she moved from the east coast of Australia to the west coast of Australia, which for reference, anyone in Europe or overseas where you think west to east is not far here, it is very far. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, moved over. She moved over soon after we'd moved into this home, actually. Claire and I bought this place early last year. And finally had a place to start doing women's circles again and Alyssa was moving over and I was like come to the circles and you did and we've just had we were just saying just before we jumped on um that we've had this like weirdly intimate friendship where we see each other and it's like this deep ritual and then we don't see each other again and then we Mm -hmm. see each other in this deep ritual and that's been the nature of our relationship and it's been really cool getting to know you and actually seeing you become the woman that I met you as because mm-hmm. my impression when I met you was like, wow, is this woman that lives in ritual that follows the whims of her heart, the call of her heart, wherever it takes her and leans into community when it presents itself and just comes and shows up and opens her heart and gives rawness and authenticity to the spaces that she's in. And I feel like, that's just been my my baseline of of you is like oh Alyssa's here that means we're getting a whole heart of Alyssa Mm -hmm. and it means intimacy and depth and ritual and I fucking love that and I also feel like I've seen you kind of glitch and remember and glitch and remember Mm -hmm. yourself which is so beautiful but I love that my first impression of you was that true self mm-hmm. and that continues to be my experience of you is that true you. I love that about you so much. So thank you for being here. <sighs> thank and, you. Yeah. Just thanks. 
You want to say hi? Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you so much. Um, I feel totally blessed and honoured to be in this space and in a part of like your orbit as well. It's um, yeah, since moving over here, it has been a coming home and an anchor, which has been really beautiful. And yeah, there will be lots of tears, <laughs> practicing vulnerability, mm. and really leaning into that. Mm. And moving through all the different stages yeah. that we go through in our journey to coming home to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's like achingly beautiful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, um, it is. As you know, but the listeners won't know, my, my granddad passed three, four days ago. Um. And it's the first time I've ever been present for someone's moment of transition. Um, And it was achingly beautiful. I've been trying to find the words. People have been asking me, like, how was it? My friend's been going, are you okay? I was at a 40th on the weekend. Um, And everyone was like, how are you? And I'm myself. So I was like, I've had a rough week. My granddad passed. I haven't slept much. And people are like, oh, fuck, you know, (laughs) why are you here yeah (laughs) how are Um, you here yeah and and they were like are you okay and I've just been like it was incredible Mm. it was incredible and it sounds odd saying that but it it was just so achingly beautiful Mm. and I keep I think the only reason I'm not crying here with you is because (laughs) I've cried so much (laughs) and I've had this really beautiful experience of grieving but Mm. it just moving yeah. And there hasn't been, even when all of our family was here and with my grandmother and, you know, family members who don't show a lot of emotion, I just have. Mm-hmm. And it's been so relaxing, yeah. healing, beautiful, like connecting, all the things. It's a gift. Yeah. Yeah, it really has been. And so... Yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised that I haven't cried yet. Like we were crying before we pressed record. <laughs> then this, this, you know, just we're just gonna oh. keep crying. But that's okay. <laughs> yeah, and I think well, to me, what I know of you is that you are so well versed in actually feeling your emotions and all of the emotions. And touching on my stuff, it's still new. Mm. And to be able to have a space where there is no rush, there is just acceptance to be able to hold and feel emotions as they come up in real time and for me because I've suppressed emotions for practically my whole life feeling is still relatively new so they feel big and because they feel big, they look big as well. Mm. Um, and for me, at the moment, that's why I cry. <laughs> because it's all at the surface now. And I'm shedding tears that have not been shed for so long. So any excuse to cry. <laughs> it's really it is, cool. yeah. And, and for me, it is such a gift. Mm. It is such a gift. It amazes me 
how much and I remember it and I say it because I have been there with you even this week um but it amazes me how there's like this exhaustion right when you let the floodgates open because you've been holding them shut for so long Mm. and it takes so much to hold them shut like it costs you you Mm. absolutely to hold them shut and then they open and then you realize how exhausted you are from holding it but then so much floods through, so much emotion, so much realisation, so much awareness floods through that even letting that all through is exhausting. So you get this like double wave of tiredness and it's something that I hear people share about in like a kind of a self-deprecating way when we go through this like almost like an awakening of our grief Mm -hmm. an awakening of the suppression an awakening of what we haven't felt awakening of our our emotional body and we're trying to integrate that so it can be normal because it is it is it's normal to feel to be human um and then we can be self-deprecating that it's it feels hard to be in the world that it feels painful to go to work, that it feels exhausting to do things that you think shouldn't be exhausting, but you're running on this like newly emptied twice Mm. cup. And I see people question themselves like, why do I have to sleep so much? I'm actually sleeping properly. Why am I still tired? What is going on? And it's like, well, you're in an emotional deficit and it's going to take a minute. Mm -hmm. And we're living in a society and in a culture, definitely in Australia, but I think in largely, at least the Western world, we're living in this culture of like, come on, get over it, toughen up, pour the cement on, be quicker, next project, let's go. And I experienced that also in my creativity that I finished something and it's like, come on, write the next book, come on, launch the next course, come on, help the next person. And you forget to receive that mm-hmm. you've just done this epic thing. Exactly. But it's actually the same in our pain and in acknowledging our suppression. Mm-hmm. We need a moment to receive it. And that yeah. moment is timed different for all of us and for different layers because it's like an onion, right? Yeah. It's like, again, oh, thought I <laughs> thought I dealt with that one. Here it is again. Yeah. Um, but what I've... I feel like I've really reaped the rewards of this week um, and it's been so full circle because it's been so different to the recent deaths that we experienced in our family and how grief was handled then and and how connection and separation happened in the family unit. This has been so connecting and in my personal experience of it, it's been because we've been feeling in front of each other yes I had to um not had to I had the honor Mm. of writing the eulogy with my nan last night and or yesterday afternoon we were there for a good five hours (laughs) um and she wrote it like it's it's hers and it's her speech but it's beautiful that I can help her with that and part of my gift is drawing the light out of people and drawing her story out and I'm just asking her questions and typing it so that she can read it on the yeah. day. Um, and it was so beautiful. It was, some of it was very like we're telling his life story. It's a eulogy. We looked up the definition. Well, Nan looked up the definition. She was like, what do I do? You know, she's trying yeah. to find her intention for it. And it's, it's a, it's an offering and praise of a person and their life. And it's um so some of it's like you know he did this this and this like this was his life this is where he was born this is where he grew up and so it's like very storytelling and it was easy and and not super emotional in mm-hmm. fact it was really joyful yeah. to connect with these different experiences in their life which um I'll just maintain the privacy of maybe Nan will come on the podcast oh that would be amazing <laughs> that would be incredible <laughs> um but I'll I'll hold that as sacred for now 
I feel like it's her stories to yeah, share, you know. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, we got to the end and, and there was an address to the family and and then directly from her to mm. Pop. We call him Pop. I think one of my cousins call him Granddad, but he's Pop. Um and it was when it became personal, mm. that's when all the emotions came. Yeah. And Nam was like, why are we crying? You know, I was like, because <laughs> it's like, it's, it's our heart. And you're feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. It was so beautiful. And I'm so thankful for the version of me that went through that, like, deep ache and the mm. deep tiredness when it comes up and allowed it and mm. fucking sobbed and then sobbed and then thought I had nothing left and then sobbed and then thought I, you know, was over that and then had another sister hurt me or thought I was over that and had another partner not choose me and thought I was over that, you know, and going through all of that. I'm so grateful for that version of me that felt because now feeling's normal. Yeah. And now I'm not in that environment where it's so uncomfortable for most people going questioning or trying to shove myself down mm-hmm. I'm just able to be yeah which means I can also support everyone else in the space authentically because I'm having my cry and then I feel really great because I've moved it mm. and this is the thing like motion actually only lasts what is it like 90 seconds or something through the body yeah. and if you're trying to hold it and suppress it like it just backs up and it backs up and it backs up. And that's definitely the experience that I've been having now is like, it's all coming out and it's all coming out. And then you, like you said, you feel like you've dealt with it. And then there's another round of it coming through and to actually let it come through, it completes. And there is so much more freedom in that and you can move on to the next emotion mm. and hold space for the other people in the room. Yeah. Um, and my yeah. heart's open. Yeah. Again, we were talking about this before we jumped on, but um, about recognising, you know, I'm able to recognise the contraction of my heart versus when it's feeling mm. open or what version of my heart I'm connecting to, either a really wounded version of my heart or the true version that that has love to give endlessly. Mm. And because I'm allowing the motion to move, I don't have to contract my heart to cope with it. Yeah. And I notice that I do. I'm still no, I'm a fucking human. And I'm yeah. noticing that, you know, I'll have a wave of emotion. We've had all these um, I mean, we pulled an all-nighter and you take sleep away from people and emotions at the edge already. So we've been quite raw and then we've had all these meetings with different or conversations with doctors or mm. meetings with different, the, the celebrant for the funeral and the director and just these different. It's the first time I've also been in the organisation of a service. I've been supporting peripherally mm. but not actually having to attend, not having having the honour. Mm. of being able to attend all these pieces and um I notice I will just spontaneously start crying and everyone kind of goes you good and I'm like yeah I'm I'm good like this is me being functional and healthy and not ending up really fucked up over this Mm. experience yeah um and not re-traumatizing myself Mm. And it's been it's been really stunning. And what's been really beautiful is witnessing the grace. It's obviously what they do for a living, but the grace mm. in the team that's yeah. facilitating it all, like they don't flinch when I burst into tears. Yeah. Or um, that most of the it's been quite soft. Like I just I'm welling up, and yeah. I think because I'm so open and because I've allowed the sobbing, it's just been like this soft tearful. Yeah. Um, and they just they don't even flinch yeah They're so just like yeah feeling's normal um so it's been yeah I don't know where I was going with that mm-hmm. oh yeah with the heart open it's been easy because my heart's been open mm. that doesn't mean it hasn't been painful yeah it doesn't mean it hasn't been uncomfortable yeah or scary or shocking in some ways but there's been this underlying ease 
Hence, I'm able to be social mm. and I'm able to function and do things, but it's just because I'm allowing myself to feel. And the reason we're here today is mm-hmm. because of you embodying um, being Sisters of the Tomb. Mm-hmm. So Sisters of the Tomb is the last song on the album. Um, and, yeah, it's really mirroring a I mean the song has the word two minute I'm tomb planning at the moment we can't make this shit up um but also because in all the relationships that I've had with women wherever they've been painful Mm. it's been because there's been a closure of the heart yeah and whether it's me closing my heart or them closing their heart and whether they've been a friend or a stranger mm-hmm. or a teacher or a mentor or a lover or a anything, you know, my mom. Mm. If one of us closes our heart, that's when it starts to get painful. And when I close my heart, that's when it becomes personally painful. Mm. When my heart's open, if someone else's heart's closed, it's painful in this collective compassionate way. But if I contract in response or I contract first, mm. it's personal. Yeah. I'm being attacked. It hurts. It's scary. I want to separate. I want to shut down. Yeah. And so I remember, you know, having this vision for this photo shoot and going, I'm going to ask someone to embody each of these energies. And I had a moment of like, is it a real dick move of me to ask someone to embody sisters of the tomb? <laughs> like, come on. And then I remember asking you and, and, and I had this moment of like, is it going to be offensive if I go, this is what I'm vibing for you? Cause I don't mean it as in I'm vibing this for you. Cause you're mm. like, I don't know. I'm seeing a woman in a tomb when I look at you. Um, but the reason that it resonated for me was because of the depth that you hold. Mm. And I just feel like death is welcome yeah. with you. Yeah. So hence we're having this conversation and that's <laughs> anyway. So I, but I would love to hear your, your experience of being asked to be that. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember if I did initially or if it was later or I can't remember to blur to me because I was having so many Mm. of those conversations in such a short time and it's okay if you can't remember but yeah what was what was it like for you (sighs) what I remember in my perspective (laughs) is initially being asked Mm -hmm. to to come and be a part of it and embody and before the words were even out of your mouth I was like yes yeah it's just obvious yes um and I think the next sort of part after that was, oh, well, it, um, it might be on a Wednesday. And for me, Wednesday is the only day of the week that I am not good. I'm always flying on a Wednesday. But it was still a yes. You just need to rearrange some things. I was still going to be there. And it wasn't until you put the list in our little group of all of the archetypes and you were still putting pla- putting names in places, mm-hmm. um, but you had some people that were definitely going to be what they were assigned. And I'm looking for my name and seeing Sisters of the Tomb, Alyssa. I'm like, of course. Mm. It just seemed so obvious to me. And I think my initial, when I felt into hey, what does Sisters of the Tomb mean, it did feel feel very ancient Mm. it felt very deep it felt like there was ritual and ceremony and that's without listening or knowing what the lyrics were or how the song was going to sound and yeah I was deeply honored to have you put me into that space into Mm. that role so yeah so thank you welcome yeah yeah thank you it was um 
it does have that ancient feeling. I really resonate with that. It mm. does. It was, yeah. And then while listening to the song and the lyrics and coming from, I think, that initial perspective, it's like, well, it is. It's such an ancient wounding in a lot of because we're talking before, it depends on where you stand and how what space you are when you listen to a song, how lyrics like land for you. And when you're standing in that space of wounded sisterhood, that's definitely in the lyrics. And it's definitely a wound I have. Um, and then there's, yeah, just different ways to embody it and it just yeah it felt like a really ancient wound yeah yeah it's something that I think we can all relate to mm. and like you say when you stand in the perspective of wounded sisterhood it's everywhere mm-hmm. it's everywhere it's in your grandmother it's in your mother it's mm-hmm. in your friends it's in your aunts it's in your yeah nieces it's like it's everywhere yeah um when you're able to step back from it and that's what I see in the song um whenever I'm writing anything it's always like there's some sort of movie playing in my head (laughs) and I'm articulating that frequency that comes from that movie so whether I'm writing I don't know social media posts or poetry or a song or a book or anything it's like I have a picture that I've already it's been painted in my spirit mm. and I'm just telling you what I see in the painting. Um, and with Sisters of the Tomb, it was like actually my personal response to Women of the Womb, mm. which is the first song on the album. Um, and um, which was asked, a, a friend of mine asked me to write it for her. That's why it was written. And then I remember at the end when I was recording it, you might notice or you might have heard on the or some of our listeners may have heard on the original single release, Women of the Womb, there's a very last bit at the very last harmony that came through in the last harmony where it goes, women of the womb, sisters of the tomb. And that's the last lyric of the song. And I remember recording that thinking, weird. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to let it be there. Yep, to be continued. Um, And then I wrote Sisters of the Tomb. I was actually on a camping trip with a sister um, and a daughter. And I went for a walk and I wrote the song and I recorded it as a voice note on my phone. Um, And that's usually where my songs go the first time that they're (laughs) sung. And... um, it just it just made sense. It was like, oh, well, this one, the women of the womb, is about connecting to the womb and finding safety to come back home to where we're birthed from, within ourselves, but mm-hmm. also to come. There's a lyric, "Come down from the mountain." It's like, oh, you can come down now. Like you don't have to isolate yourself mm-hmm. up there. You can come down and be with the people. You don't have to be the wise woman separate from community. We're together. And then I felt like Sister of the Tomb was like. You've come down and realized there are a lot of women still not even at this baseline. Mm. <laughs> like at least the wise woman was up connecting with herself. Yeah. And now she's reintegrating into society and you come back to society and you go, holy shit, like this is a massacre yeah. of women. Yeah. And I felt, I kept seeing this vision writing the song of w- women who were waking up to themselves and still healing and still having work to do, but who were waking up to themselves and had woken up enough to go, hey, we don't have to be alone. And they just, just feel like they're reaching out their hand to grab a woman that's like in a ditch somewhere and just pulling her up and going, yeah, I'll help you out. Mm. And I can't do it for you. I can't yeah. lift you out, like mm-hmm. use your feet and stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> here's some support. Let me help you. Like yeah. we can go together. Yeah. Whereas before it was like, how do I throw the other women in the ditch so that I can live, you know, <laughs> yep. That's so like, that I can climb out. Yeah. yeah. So that was like 
yeah, I guess the vision that I was seeing underneath symbolically Mm -hmm. that I was communicating. Is there a particular lyric that sticks out at you or just Mm. general, all of it? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I feel like the exact words, but the, the essence for me is that coming home. Mm. Like that's, that's the real piece for me. And that's just a reflection of where I am Mm. in my own continuous journey. Um, And yeah, another perspective of me looking into the song and the lyrics was the internal Mm. wounds and battles and the the victim part of ourselves and the spirit soul heart mm. part of ourselves and yeah seeing that for what it is and then that just that that coming home to our essence wow is in there yeah like the tomb of your own consciousness absolutely or the tomb of your own heart or yeah mm. that feels like consciousness to me like you're aware of certain things but you're attacking yourself with them yeah and it it does. Like yep. I said before, when you suppress those emotions, that comes at the expense of you. It does. Wow. Yeah. And when you can like lift yourself out of that, express, feel, feel the feels, then you're able to pull yourself up and mm. come home. Mm. Come home to your heart. Yeah. And by doing that for yourself, you have the capacity to do that, hold the space for other people to go through that themselves. So true. Yeah. So true. I remember when I was first learning, leaning into my spiritual gifts and my gifts as a leader, mentor, speaker, coach, whatever you want to call me. Um, and I had this real imposter syndrome of like, I can't, I'm, I was young. I was like 20 when people started asking to work with me and they were people of all ages mm. wanting to work with me. And I was like, what, why? Maybe, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but I was like, I'm not, quali- I'm not a psychologist. Mm. I'm not a, you know, that's not, um, Oh, oh, I thought the audio just cut out, but it didn't. Hello. Is it still? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, we got the wobbles. Yeah. I'm We're very good. professional. Okay, good. Um, I just, a notification popped up in the app and I was like, ah. Um, but yeah, I remember these people asking me for help and wanting me for help. And I remember my brother saying to me, um, because I was seeing that as, yeah, I'm a human. Of course I'll have a conversation with you. Of course I'll mm. share a practice that's worked for me with you, of course. And it was quite – I was getting exhausted as much as I loved it. I was also studying at uni. Mm. I was not doing it as a business at all. I didn't see it like that. So I was just – this is where all my spare time was going into all these other people. Um, and I was broke. I was a broke uni student that spent – my well had started to stop spending all my money on vodka at this point, which was helpful. Um, but I remember him saying, I remember him making me a Facebook page where people could book in with me. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, I'm really sick of you changing people's lives and just being emptied out from it. And it just made me go, Oh wow. Like there's value. Mm. There's value here. And it really began this journey of eliminating that imposter syndrome where I couldn't see the value because I was making it so literal that in order to help someone through something, I had to have been through that. And you Mm. hear that in the spiritual community, the healing community. Oh, if you haven't been there, you don't know, but we go there to these different depths, to these different pains, to these different wounds within ourselves And it's the same depth. It's the same frequency. It just looks different on all Mm -hmm. of us. Yeah. And when I realized that if I could hold myself in the depth and come out of the depth, 
with myself in love, mm-hmm. then I could help someone else do that. Yeah. And it wasn't to fix them. It wasn't to say, oh, me too. That happened to me. You know, I was helping people with divorce. I'd never been engaged. Like mm-hmm. it was not, you know, they're different. Had I gone through a breakup? Sure. Did my breakup involve a financial separation, children, family disputes, belongings and furniture that needed to be split? No. It was like But so it involved different. grief. Yeah. Yeah. And the depth of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when you can face that frequency mm. and move it and feel it and embrace what it's trying to teach you and what it's trying to show you and then bring love to it so that we're actually listening to the guidance of the loving force of our heart and not the guidance of the grief that tells us Mm. we're not safe and we need to separate, we need to run and we're alone. We can create harmony through separation, which is something I've created. Some of my exes are some of my best friends. I had three ex partners invited to our wedding (laughs) and it wasn't, a thing it wasn't a drama with Claire it wasn't painful mm. it was Claire's like yeah I love that guy and make sure he's invited you know like they have a relationship and that's harmony and my stomach's rumbling yeah, can you hear <laughs> I'm hungry <laughs> um that's that's like harmony and separation that you can come to when the pain is allowed yeah But when the pain is the weapon or the pain is the only reality that can't be moved out of, Mm. can't create harmony from that disharmony within oneself. Yeah. So it's, yeah. And it is. It's so true. When your heart is open and the more able you can freely just love and be in that frequency of love, then grief feels more like a bruise than it does having your heart ripped out of your chest. Like when when you are closed off and a relationship does end or somebody does pass or you know, you have arguments with sisters and parents and you know other people in your life, when your heart is closed and you're not really feeling the irony is it actually feels like your heart's being ripped out. Mm. And it's it's a lot more painful, but when you can just be in that heart open space and just loving and being in that for yourself and from yourself, then having those same experiences feels so much different Mm. and you can see the beauty and the gifts and it can still feel like crap too. Yeah, I mean, it's never, (laughs) well, maybe not never, but there are absolutely circumstances where there's grief or where there's a passing and it's like, well, that shouldn't have happened. Mm. Or like, you know, it feels like such a shock or it's like, they're so young, how did this happen? And for me, the grief, it still is like a a kick to the guts or Mm. a punch to the chest or like the heart being ripped open. But the difference or the the redefinition that I have of it now is like rip out my fucking heart, go, like take it. And it does and it's like, oh, and then it's been ripped out. Like you can't rip it out again. It's been ripped out and then the space can open and then it can shift and it doesn't, you know, if I relate, I lost a friend in university and he was 21. I was so different to losing my granddad at 91, Mm. you know, he was in pain and he was ready and he like pop, he he was ready. He was saying, I'm ready. Mm. You know, it's very different to like a freak accident where someone yep. young passes. And that was cha- like challenging to accept, you know, but why or how I was able to accept it was like letting my heart rip open, mm. letting it go, letting it, letting myself break, letting myself yeah. crumble. And it was only after the crumbling that I'd be able to access any truth or any beauty or yeah, just truth. Yeah. Truth. Um, and I was like, okay, like it was his soul choice. Whatever you believe, mm. like it was his soul's path. Yeah. Let's say that it was his life path. And 
if his life path ends, it ends. Like that's actually all that happened. And I also with my spiritual gifts or my spiritual connection, I still feel very connected to people when they pass, Um, which I understand not everybody has. And that I imagine would feel very hollow. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that feeling. Yeah. Um, But yeah, did you, when you were embodying Sisters of the Tomb for your part of the shoot, Mm -hmm. do you remember any particular energy coming in or do you feel like, a part of you came to the surface or anything and you woke up or yeah. What was your experience of that embodiment? Mm. I had moments when we were in the group areas and mm-hmm. in those, those times where it did just feel like a beautiful melding pot of energies and archetypes and different women just all being in one space and all being uniquely different and yet so thoroughly connected like I knew a couple of people but I you're the only person like you were the anchor the the touchstone for everybody but I wasn't really good friends with anybody else in the group. And some of them I just met that day as well. And yet there was just this beautiful sense of healthy, securely attached sisterhood and friendship that was just assumed and implied, Mm. um, which was really really lovely and at the end we all went around and shared a little bit and really I just had just one word and it was just nourished because mm. the whole day for me just felt like I was being nourished and I think for me what that meant through the archetype of the sisters of the tomb was healing that relationship with outwardly other other women and also connecting that with myself as well um feeling that sense of belonging in a group and feeling that sense of belonging in myself Mm. um yeah and individually as well just having my own short time being photographed yeah just Again, and I'm not really sure where it's really coming from, but just this really ancient, really ancient and really old sort of energy coming through that just felt felt like it was also a coming home. Yeah. There's this real biblical sense yeah. that I keep getting. <laughs> and it's here again. <laughs> Um, but I keep getting it like even with the album like I've been reflecting on the first song I ever released being Temple of Magdalene Mm -hmm. and then our women of the womb I feel like you could make it biblical if you wanted to but it's whatever but the next one coming out is Temple of Lilith Mm -hmm. biblical but this like here with the sisterhood thing but like when you say it's ancient Mm. I, I do I pull it back to well if if that parable is the truth, right, of Lilith and Adam being in love yeah. but Lilith not being obedient and mm-hmm. so being cast aside for Eve, who was obedient, who mm-hmm. would be the good girl, who would suppress herself to please yeah. Adam, then it's, I mean, that's an origin story of yeah. humanity. So as it's as ancient as it gets. And I think you've just touched on it right there. To me... The Sisters of the Tomb is an origin story. Mm. Mm. It is. Yeah. Mm. And it somehow feels like an origin and a completion. Yes. In the same yeah. moment, which I haven't thought of before until you said that. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It very much does complete as well because the complete is that coming home. Mm. 
Mm. It's a whole journey. It is a whole journey. Oh, the album <laughs> is a whole journey. The song is a whole journey. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. What's your favourite song? Sisters of the Tomb. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I've had the honour of listening to all of the songs. I think there might be one that I haven't I haven't heard. And, yeah, yeah I, I do feel like Sisters of the Tomb is my favourite. Mm. Um. I will disclose my current alarm to wake up in the morning is Magdalene. <laughs> it's I such a beautiful that. song to wake up to. That's such a good idea. Um, however, I think as soon as Sisters on the Tomb is available on Spotify, <laughs> it might replace that. Yeah. And yeah, with with your permission, of course, I can feel it being a song that I will use a lot in my own personal practice which I don't need permission for, but also um, in other spaces mm. because I feel like it speaks to women on so many different levels. Mm. And no matter where you're at, whether you're in the pit clawing or being clawed at or any stage of sort of coming out or being the woman that's putting her foot down or... Yeah, at that point of feeling like you're home and heart opened. I think it just it speaks on so many different layers. Mm. So when you're in a room full of women, you're going to take, every woman is going to take something from it. Mm. And every time they hear it, they will take something from it. Mm. It is, um, yeah, so many layers. Yeah. And like you say, on a different day, you're a different listener. Yeah. And so you're hearing a different story or you're resonating yep. with a different lyric. And there's something so special and it's part of my intention for the album, for Temple Calling. There's something so special about listening to a song in reverence and intention. Mm-hmm. You receive it so differently. You receive the artists so differently. You receive the voices, the harmonies, the story, the emotion. It's just so layered so different Mm. um, versus yeah you know listening to it when you're just plodding along or doing your thing or or not really listening to it actually Mm -hmm. listening when you're not present to it versus listening when you're present um, I think is actually the gap so yes please use it in your temples (laughs) and all those things which is a cool invitation for me to ask you to tell us a little bit about that share with us about your work what is your your medicine we've been crying together a lot yeah but, yeah. <laughs> but that's what there we will do. be tears in yeah. that services too yeah um it's interesting I yeah really called to creating sacred ceremony type spaces mm. um and I'm now currently doing that uh in the I guess the southwest of western Australia um I have a women's group in Boston mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure you're not surprised to know that I'm the first person to have cried in that space. <laughs> Actually, I think I'm still the only person to have still cried in that space, which I've started this year um, and also beginning to hold ceremony and ritual-based I'm calling them like mini retreats, mm. um, just sort of three-hour spaces with different themes. And, yeah, they're just designed to be able to come into and connect with other women mm. and also create your own sacred space for yourself and, and coming home to yourself that you can then take home with you and practice as well in those spaces so beautiful it's such important work it's so um I keep like putting for those not on YouTube I keep putting my hands on my face like I'm a shocked clown (laughs) or something like oh yeah um but it is it's so this sacredness this reverence it's so inherent Mm. for all of us yeah and I think it's something that as we wake up in humanity more and more and more we long for it. We're searching mm. for it. We're hungry for it. And it's so beautiful. Even myself as someone, I've been to 
Alyssa's spaces before. They're stunning. They're beautiful. I went there once when I couldn't talk and I sign languaged everything. It was epic. Um, and I just think there's there's something to be said to go to a space and not have to hold it together. Mm. Not have not even have to hold it. Like I do a lot of space holding in my life and I love it and it's my purpose and passion mm. on this bloody planet. But or and it's so amazing to go somewhere and just be a participant. Yeah. Like be in the space. Yeah. And I think it's for, you know, so that's me as a facilitator, but for for any woman, for anyone, for anyone. Yeah. It's so beautiful to go to a space and you're like, oh my gosh, the only thing that I have to do here is be. Yeah. And actually I'm doing a ritual and I'm meant to be doing this ritual right now. Like I literally came here for this. I can't get distracted by the kids, by the TV, Mm -hmm. by my phone going off, by the housework that I should be doing or the Netflix series that I'm Mm -hmm. binging that I must watch the next episode (laughs) of. And suddenly it's so late that I haven't cared for myself in a different way Mm -hmm. this evening. Um, Not to knock Netflix. I'm here for a good binge, but you know, it's just (laughs) different. It's really beautiful service to humanity that you're offering to bring that sacredness back. And I think it's true that people come into your space and they remember who they are. Yeah. So thanks for the work Mm. that you do. Thank you. <laughs> and if you would like to reach out to Alyssa, the best place to do that is selfceremony.me. Me. And that is true for the website, the Facebooks and the Instagrams. Amazing. They're all the same. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's rare. That's surprisingly rare. Yeah. Selfceremony.me. Amazing. So we will put those links in Mm. the show notes. Go check her out. Go check it out. Um, And don't hesitate to reach out even if you're not in the Southwest because you never know what this one's cooking up. Oh, yeah. Um, Online (laughs) things coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, do reach out if you feel the call. And I hope you enjoy listening to Sisters of the Tomb when you get the chance Mm. to. It's my favourite. Thank you so much. Thank you. I love you. I love you. Thank you for listening to this special episode as part of the Temple Calling album series. My entire album is set to drop on November 10th, 2023. However, the first single, Temple of Lilith, will be out on all platforms on September 1st. If you resonated with this episode, check out the rest of the series on the Genius Portal podcast. And if you're vibing a random act of kindness today, please pre-save the upcoming release on your favorite streaming platform via the link in the show notes. Thank you so much. I love you. Have a magical day.